Hello, and welcome to the Veer360 podcast. Veer360 is a virtual reality education platform for K-12. In each podcast, we'll be inviting a speaker from the education industry to discuss technology in education, suggest strategies for classroom management, and share what's happening in the edtech world. We hope you enjoy this episode. Today's webinar topic, as I mentioned earlier, is a teacher's edtech experience, building empathy and resilience in the digital world. And we are very, very honored to have Ms. Anjana Menon with us today, who is a current teacher at Global India International School and a media specialist. So many of you know, um, you know, many of you have read about uh, you know, her and her bio that we posted, but I also like to give you a little bit of more insight into her experiences. So Ms. Anjana Menon is a trained educationist with 18 years of teaching experience in international schools and media colleges. She's also a certified international baccalaureate teacher. She has a postgraduate master's degree in mass communication, specializing in video production. She has a keen interest in women's studies and sociology, which led her to complete her second master's degree in sociology. She also holds a postgraduate diploma in child and adolescent psychology, and she's also pursuing her MPhil in media and communication studies. She's currently working as a PYP homeroom teacher at Global Indian International School um, at their smart campus in Singapore, and she's also an EPIC master teacher for Singapore. She's passionate about bringing social change and helping students understand themselves through self-expression. So I don't think uh, you know, I have to give any more description to you to, uh, to tell you more about you know, Ms. Angela Menon and how she is a lifelong learner. I think that's very clear. And I think um, you know, that is one of the reasons that um, we also wanted to get her here because um, you know, a lot of teachers who come to a webinar stay a lot of times, you know, they're just figuring out how they can take the next step in their career, what they can do in terms of bringing more things into their classroom. So um, maybe I'll just, uh, actually, I'll just get started by asking you a question. Um, yeah. And I'll just stop sharing my screen here. So just generally, what are your thoughts on, you know, how we can bring more resilience and empathy into the classroom, you know, in, a, in this digital world today? Thank you so much, Adila. It is uh, an honor to be invited by you and your company here today morning. Um, I uh, started teaching uh, in the year 2003. And I started uh, teaching in a kindergarten. And that was the first time I came across this word empathy and resilience. And uh, after so long, after 18 years now, wherever I read, whatever we do in our classrooms, I again and again come across this word empathy and resilience. Uh, so what is empathy and what is re resilience and what are my thoughts on it, okay? So what is empathy? Empathy is not to be able to stand in somebody else's shoes and to able to uh, see their point of view. Empathy is not that. Mm. Empathy is to connect to the other person, to the student emotionally to support a student emotionally. So when you start, when you are working in a kindergarten classroom, that's the most important thing that you give your children is emotional support. Mm. And that is what is the world talking about right now in these times that we have to support each other emotionally, mm. whether in your workspaces, whether it is your uh, colleagues, whether it is the parents of the children, whether it is the children in your classroom, Everyone is going through things that mostly people don't talk about, but everyone is affected in some way or the other. 
and that is why this whole thing when we talk about mental health and you know we talk about positive mental health and we talk about people being resilient through these times but if we are able to connect to a child whether we are teaching them in person or whether we are teaching them virtually and give them that needed emotional support for them to go through these times i think that is the most important thing as educators as you know, people working in schools as people working in edtech hmm. as people working in the field of education uh, all of us have to um, understand this and work towards it right okay so uh, that's my take on empathy and it's it's a challenge not every child is so technologically savvy in today's world that you uh, you give them a zoom link and say you know uh, now you're responsible for your learning right hmm. so every child makes meaning differently every child takes on to this material differently it affects them in many different ways right so we we need to understand that as educators and be be gentle and kind with our children and take them through this uh, these times with a lot of love and care mm. and i think that's the most important part of being a virtual teacher or a teacher through a pandemic it's been 2 years that i've been teaching through this pandemic and i come across um, it's very important to check on your children it's very important when they log into your classes online to see if they are okay today if they are emotionally okay their children were just um, like spending days without meeting their friends and you know there this it's kind of a lonely space for children and you are the only person who reaches out to them through the day so you are the only person to th- whom they can confide also it's about empathy is also about creating a safe classroom okay. not only a real safe classroom but even your virtual classroom have to has to be a safe space mm-hmm. where a child can express himself without being feeling bullied without being feeling you know that the teacher thinks i don't know something so it has to be a safe environment mm-hmm. the other thing is resilience now what is resilience we are talking about a sustainable world we are talking about sustainable goals we are talking about um, everything a sustainable earth was for that reason right what is this sustainability sustainability is coming from resilience resilience is something that's going to come into play once this pandemic is over mm-hmm. resilience is your ability to get back to your life pre pandemic life and to make up for all that you have lost everyone saw these two years including probably me you or anyone who is on this call and listening to us today saw these two years of their life would have shaped out much more differently but it has not so what are the skills that we are going to be developing in this time which will help us get back to where we were before all of this happened to cope up with the financial losses to cope up with the health issues or to you know the sedentary life that we have got used to right now to just all these things around us to this it's like always we are in a stress a stressful situation we all try to fight it out we all try to um keep ourselves as positive as possible every morning you wake up and you're like you know you're going to uh, take all that you have within you and give your best to your day but for how long you start burning out after a point right 
Right. How do you sustain that burnout? How do you help children understand that this is not the first time that the world is seeing something like this? So uh, personally, as a teacher, I use a lot of active listening in my classroom. Mm -hmm. How do I develop empathy and resilience? I, I, I give my, every student that time to reach out to me, to connect to me, to, to me to listen to what are they going through. That's active listening. Mm. Then I try to build a community of learners where children are helping each other, whether they are there for each other. If there's a child who's very good with technology, I always say, you know, someone just uh, step up and help that child. You know, you can all help each other. Even in a Zoom class, you can, everybody can pitch in because everyone has different technological skills mm -hmm. and everyone is learning so many new things. So let's have more of sharing. Mm. building a collaborative classroom rather than a competitive classroom right. so i teach children that how important it is to collaborate we are not here no one is in a race here you know we all have to be there for each other and that, that that's when your work or whatever you're learning is complete if you're able to collaborate with each other uh, i use a lot of storytelling with my children because i am a believer of teaching through a lot of stories positive stories, you know, probably a book like a uh, diary of Anne Frank is a book that all children should read right now to understand that, no, it's okay. What we are dealing with is not so, so bad also. You know, we, we are, okay, we can't go to school. So we are doing virtual learning. Uh, we are yeah, a little hard pressed for many things, but it's okay. We will all come out of it. And everyone across the world, every student right now in any country of the world is going through something that you are going through so it's okay we are all like that's what they say we are all in it together it's there's a lot of meaning in everybody's in it together um their emotions you know for them to do some self-reflections to understand their emotions if they're feeling low certain on certain days if they're feeling sad sometimes children are not able to comprehend it so you delve a little deeper and you understand why do you think you're feeling mm. a little low? So, so they say the best learning happens in a state of relaxed alertness. A student cannot learn under stress. A student cannot learn when he has too many other things on their mind. It's very important to have a peaceful class going on for you to deliver, for you to actually get them to learn a lot. Mm. And once they're supported in that way, you will see that the learning is much more than we really expected. You will expect them to do this much, but they will always go beyond what was expected of them because of creating that environment of the good conducive environment for learning for them. And uh, I think uh, I, I work with Epic. So Epic is a very good tool in the hand of educators right now. Again, I think it's a very good um, resource where we can do a lot of positive things, read to children, use this time for reading. Uh, similarly, uh, I think your app is also very, very uh, good. It also uh, comes in there so that the children are using the screen time for some positive learning. They, they use it to learn concepts in a way that it doesn't feel like that they are learning. So I think, and, and it's very student friendly, which is very important. I feel the apps, because parents are anyway so hard pressed themselves. You, we need to have more apps where the students can take, uh, you know, and they understand whatever they have to themselves of that app. Yes, all of this certainly does lead to an increased screen time. 
that's another thing when everyone uh, says that you know the more apps that they use the more technology integration that is there uh, isn't there a lot of screen time that is added yes but but my take on this is that that is something we can't take away from them as of now the screen time is also something that because of this technology integration and them having all of this their learning is the learning has not stopped right. the children are still learning there is there is no gap in their studies it might not be how we had aimed it to be mm -hmm. but yes they every child is learning every child is studying however much they are able to give in their best and i think that's 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 because of technology we can use the screen time in a positive way for sure we can have some limits on screen time as parents as educators we can give them activity which is partially screen time partially they do something which is hands on so you can have different combinations of things that you do as a teacher mm. or or as parents whereas the screen time is uh, concerned but i think it's a, a wonderful opportunity because once things get back to normal the children would have actually learned so many uh, new things and so much and technology is here to stay mm. the way the world is moving towards ai technology is very well here to stay all all over mm. and uh, we cannot if this has happened once this situation we might as humanity again face some kind of a different situation in the years to come so this is something that we have um, it's a very positive tool in our hands and uh, so it's just children are very uh, if you if you explain something to children from a point of view of logic there is no reason why they won't understand mm. that why excess screen time is not good and where is that they draw the line so so you have to always introduce technology with all its positives and negatives it cannot be so when you say the dangers of all the things uh, that are there which is technology and then these are all, all the positives and move them towards the positive bit of technology and uh, and so very soon they will themselves understand that this much is good and then this is where we put a stop to our use of the screen right so um, i think that's uh, that's from my end if there's any questions uh, i can take those questions thank you thank you so much for sharing your insights anjana we have a couple of questions coming in from the audience um so the first question is um you mentioned this previously but do you have any more tips that we can use to hold on sorry sorry we can use on how to build an emotionally safe space for students in the age of online classes i think this is very important like if i can share my personal experience as well i can see that you know in the online classes with my younger students sometimes you know they are um you know they are not being very nice to each other sometimes you know uh they uh they um you know at times you see it's it, they're just playing around but at times you can see that uh you know they are not being respectful to their classmates and they are not really listening in you know sometimes they are changing their background sometimes they're just doing their own thing and you can see it as well so i think uh you know it's it's a very important question about how we can build an emotionally safe space for the students you know in our zoom classes in a zoom class it's very important to set uh, some ground rules like we do it in a real classroom that these are some rules and you know we are all going to respect these rules so um, respect is something which comes with time to children you it's it's a little again ambiguous concept to teach children unless there's a situation 
So, so the moment you see someone is being disrespectful, you as a teacher intervene there and you say that um, I, I think that you know this is not in order. And why do you think is this not in order? I usually pick up go back to stories and books. There's such wonderful resources which are books where there are stories of uh, why you should respect, why you should listen to others, why you should not bully each other. Bullying is again, bullying is coming from a standpoint of not being heard, of not feeling safe themselves. It's a, a bullying is a, always a response to something that the child is undergoing uh, himself in his surroundings. So you have to delve again a little deeper and say that I understand, but this is not the way we uh, do things in the world. Okay. And also we have privacy settings. You should put those settings uh, when you start your Zoom class where uh, probably don't allow anybody to scribble on your screens and things, it's okay. It's, it's okay to not have all the features going in when you're using an app. So you can take your call and see how much of it is good and safe. And you know, uh, if the children are very small, they're going to have fun. Mm. You can't stop a five-year-old if he has a right to scribble on a screen. You can't, you can't stop them there doing that in a classroom situation because the children, they will want to scribble, right? So you can just have your privacy settings according to your age appropriateness and then go forward from there. Rather than have, give out all the permissions out there on the, on, of the device and then get, you know, uh, create and just get into a little, not very good situation in your Zoom class. Okay. So I think that's very important. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. So I have a couple more questions, uh, but before I dive into that, I think personally, I'm also um, curious about something you mentioned in your talk, which is about screen time. So I think in general, um, teachers, um, I think, you know, due to the pandemic and even prior to the pandemic, a lot of us have been converted to, you know, thinking, you know, um, using technology in the classroom. But what do you say to parents who are, you know, who are very strict on screen time, who do not want their students to, um, so who want their students to avoid um, the screen as much as possible? Yes, uh, I, I have parents uh, having those kind of concerns. Um, but at the end of it, the child loses out. At the end of it, the child certainly loses out because when you're giving them work, when you're giving them assignments and the child is at a loss. So you, you have to be mindful of how much screen time are you giving? Or if you want to supervise the screen time, you should as a parent supervise your child's screen time. But whatever are the basic skills right now, how to handle assignments, how to do their assignments, how to use apps which are going to help them do their assignments, we cannot uh, negotiate on that with a child or a parent because uh, that's the only way we have in our hands for them to learn. So there is no other way, honestly, in, in this time. So the child will have to use that much minimum possible screen time. Mm. They can give them breaks in between, you know, they can make a daily routine of them going to the garden or a park or something, something like that and uh, limit it to only studies if need be and not games or whatever. But there are certain skills that children will have to learn to cope up with their studies. Okay. okay. Because it's a, it's a, we don't know for how long. Mm. So if we knew that there was a definite end to it, we could have said, okay, three months, no screen time and we get back. But when you don't know the end to it, mm. um, you will have to go with the way the children are going. Otherwise the child will be at a loss. Right. Okay. 
Um, thank you so much for sharing that. I think on that note, we do have a very good question, which is, um, you know, digital and technological literacy among students is not equal, as you mentioned. So different students have different levels of uh, capabilities when it comes to technology. How can we help students of all levels? Any, any tips? And I think, I guess you answered one of them, which is, you know, encourage the parents. But do you have any other tips for, um, for teachers? Yes, I think uh, technology uh, changes with the grade levels and the ages and I think to a very large extent the children are the best judges so you know your children uh, these children because they were born with so much of technology and they have access to so much of technology I've always had students who would uh, tell me that probably this app is better this is easier to use this is uh, our level so your grade level according to what you are uh, and your children and what is that interests them the most are the things you should choose for your classroom. Because we, we again have a zillion apps out here in the market right now from where we can choose, right? We can choose some of what we want to do, but then uh, you have to again give children the choice. But to give the children the choice that uh, whatever works best for you, or you know, give them collaborative tasks where they can have things where they can collaborate with each other also on the virtual platform. Okay. So I think those are very uh, important things as a teacher for you to um, to teach, but at the same time see that the children are not finding the level a little lower or higher, because because once for children once they have mastered a particular thing and they have really good with it, they will want to move to the next level. So so they cannot be a again they cannot be like a fixed way to do this, but as a teacher you take you trust your own judgment and your, of course, your learners. Okay. I, I, I can't, you know, a, a group of learners um, in any different kind of education systems, different kind of boards, every, every group is different. Mm, okay. Their social context, their cultural context and their understanding of technology. Mm. So we, we cannot give uh, out. It's through your, what is your, what is available to you as a school or as a, teacher, you could use that to the best according to your age appropriateness. Okay, that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. So shifting gears a little bit, um, you know, uh, someone wanted to ask about your experience in videography and digital media. And can you share some insights into how to use videography slash digital storytelling in education to help build empathy and resilience among the students? Oh, lovely. That is a very nice question. Yes, I have. Uh, I've taught for seven years. I have taught video production to uh, college students. And that, those seven years have been uh, really a lot of learning for me as well. So when to teach empathy and resilience using the medium of video production, uh, I would say that get children or your students, if they're adults also for that matter, to pick out stories that bring out empathy. To mm -hmm to uh, bring out stories that will bring out resilience. So, so you, if you're adapting a story that you already have into a movie, then you pick up a story where the characters are displaying a positive attitude, a positive story of empathy, of resilience, of them surviving through something. I, I think many at times taking somebody's biographies, autobiographies, life stories of people, children, those kinds, you know, and that's why I think right now the lot of very good content is being generated all over, even through this pandemic, because people are taking in stories which are very 
um, different in nature. It has moved from that light entertainment to, um, you know, like like that uh, that lovely documentary I was watching on that octopus has feelings. Yeah. Seen that one? Yeah, I've seen the trailer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's a beautiful one. So, so we are talking a lot about uh, you know things like nature, things uh, the good things of life. We are we have actually we have all taken a back seat and we are looking around things to be thankful for. And when you actually look, you will find a lot of things around you which is so much positive in nature. So I would say you know right now I do a lot of this uh, healthcare workers. You, if you go around and you're looking for making a movie on someone who has uh, been a healthcare worker through a pandemic, you know, who has been doctored through the pandemic, and these people who are delivering food to us through the pandemic, these are the people who are going out there and doing things for others. So these are very good examples to teach children mm. because that's very observable for them that somebody is going to, you know, deliver food to you through a pandemic. Uh, and it's such a good deed mm. and there's there's so much uh, to learn from um, that kind of thing so people cooking food for their neighbors you know such wonderful stories of people uh, there's so many numbers people keep circulating when you call up if you if you are in need of home cooked meals right if you are in quarantine or you cannot come out so mm. those are the really really good things around you that uh, people are doing so those are wonderful stories to pick out now and turn them into short movies, turn them into video production stories. Okay. I think um, a lot of uh, very, very good content is coming out of video production lately, which is uh, heartening to see all the, the positives that we can see around the okay. positive stories. Um, thank you so much for sharing that, Anjana. So I know we are um, almost um, uh, finishing up uh, on our, um, at the time. But um, maybe I think I'll, I'll ask a question, um, you know, that a lot of teachers are, you know, thinking about right now, which is um, the teachers are experiencing a lot of technological burnout now, a lot of responsibility to deal with the shift in education has been placed on teachers. How can you support the resilience of teachers as well? Okay, that's another very good one. Uh, like I was just sharing with you, I am off screen for this month. <laughs> so, so it's, uh, I think as, uh, as teachers, we need to practice self-care. Mm. And self-care is just giving yourself that, you know, that at the end of the day, I'm, I've done my best and be at peace with that. And uh, probably have some kind of yoga or some kind of mindfulness or, you know, just have a routine for just going for a walk. Um, pick up a small hobby, which keeps you relaxed. So those are the things I think everyone needs to do to kind of uh, handle the stress of the pandemic. Because when I say you support children emotionally, it's draining at the end of the day. Of uh, because yes, there is so much of emotion that you uh, imbibe, that you carry with your children and their ups and downs. And uh, again, last two years, it's been the, again, the most emotionally draining two years of my teaching career for sure. But then uh, you find your own ways which bring you peace, you know, maybe listen to some music which you like, do something good for yourself, keep in touch with your friends, I do that a lot, um, talk, uh, talk to your friends, people who, who are, you know, close to you, so it's very important to have those things 
going well for yourself as a teacher through a pandemic. Uh, because uh, it's very important, you can only give to others if you have it within you. And once you don't have it in you, then it's like, it's like you know, you're coming out from an empty space of giving, which is not possible. So that's why it's important to, to read some good books, uh, to watch some good uh, media, which is motivating of sorts, or you know, just uh, listening to other people's experiences. Because uh, when you, uh, I listen to a lot of TED talks where people talk of the different things they are dealing with, and you come to a point and you say, oh, no, you're not alone. Like there's so many people are, who are exactly going through what I'm going through. So that kind of connections, uh, which you need in your life are very important right. to keep yourself good and to keep, to build your own resilience as a teacher. And right. like you said, you know, like learning, learning is, uh, I, I can never wake up and say I have learned enough. So, so every classroom, every uh, new batch of children, every new parent community that I deal with me, there's always something more for every one of us to learn so it's very important to be very open-minded as a teacher for everything that you can learn wherever you have an opportunity to learn something new always uh, take it I think it's important very important that's awesome I, learning I, I met you and I thought there's some, so much for me to learn from you Adela <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, I think you are a very good so, example of how learning is a lifelong commitment yes 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 so 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 that's very important wherever um you your mindset has to be that of being a learner mm. it's it's not to do with your job career designations or you know where you're working that's not it it's your inner uh, ability i learned so much from my children and i've said you know the children will be like uh, yeah you know and i share with them how how we our integration and our understanding of technology was so different from what is theirs and uh, they they are wonderful in this in the sense that they actually see so much of um, of how the future is going to be uh, much more clearly than we can. Mm. So there's actually a lot to learn from your students, from your children, in the way they perceive everything and the way they will give you answers. Whenever you are stuck, I think they are your best people to go to to get your answers for a lot of things. Yeah, that's awesome. Yes, yes. yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know I'm mindful that we are out of time, but I think there's a very important question that has come in. And maybe if you could share your insights on this. Um, it's what types of technology do you think are here to stay with the pandemic? And what types of technologies do you think should or should not be here to stay in the long run? Okay. Uh, I, I would say that the most beautiful resource as an educator are the, are the online uh, books that are available to children, the digital libraries that have come across and so many more are coming in. I think that's a wonderful resource to have in the hands of children. Uh, that kind of introduction to books and the amount I can do with books with children uh, is like, it's crossed. Uh, it's like I, I, have, I have been able to actually get my classes and children to read so much now post pandemic. Uh, that is that is one. I think for sure, your kind of things uh, where, you know, AR, VR, AI, all those coding, mm. I think all these things are good. These are all very things which are here to stay. Mm. Uh, we cannot, uh, when 
when the adult world is going to mo be moving into all of this so fast, we cannot keep the children from not moving to in that direction. Right. So robotics, I think there's just so many, uh, so much new in the market. Mm -hmm. And there is so much people are still researching and, you know, finding and uh, connecting to schools and teachers and uh, educators to see what works best with children. So all of that is surely here to stay. Mm -hmm. For what will not stay, um, I probably, um, I don't know how much more, probably, I think children are kind of done with video games, much more, you know, that, that, that kind of thing that we don't have, uh, gaming is something I think, I don't know, but I think children are not um, I have a 10 year old at home and he's not interested in playing games anymore. Mm. So because, uh, yeah, because there is so much more creative things that they do, even in gaming, mm. I think uh, when it's uh, in, a, in a way where they can build something or do something constructive, these children are very high with creativity, mm. that kind of just mindless gaming is something I don't think it interests children anymore. You know, they also think through their games. They are so... Um, so now, you know, thinking through everything. So I think those kind of things where we thought children were wasting time, I think whatever is their screen time is always of some value and some use. Designing apps are very much here to stay. Mm. We would have so much, so such beautiful things that you find now online, you know, online video production apps, online apps for uh, making movies, uh, all of this photography is here to stay for sure mm -hmm. all this is here to stay okay. because uh, people are getting that time so many people are taking up so many new hobbies so this this technology is what makes us do uh, all this stuff and 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 all these apps this like apps for everything now <laughs> and partly because of again see isn't it because of the home delivery apps that the, we are surviving without the grocery apps so so you cannot, uh, you cannot now say, you know, I think technology is like in every aspect of our life and it's here to stay. It's just very much here to stay. Yeah. There is uh, this, yeah, there is, there is nothing that is going to go backwards from here. Right. Pandemic right. or no pandemic. I think the way we are uh, and uh, the way we, we have kind of, everyone has redesigned their lives. Mm. I think uh, people will stick on to these things and people, everyone because of being home and having that kind of hand, time on hand is actually learning so much. You know, adults are reading so much on Kindle. Mm -hmm. so, so you can't say that uh, there is anything which is on the back. It's, it's just going forward. Okay. So that's my take on it. Okay, thank you so much for sharing that. Um, I think this has been really, really insightful. Thank you so much for listening in. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please share it around with your colleagues and friends. You can find us at veer360.com or at veer360 on social media. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or if you'd like a demo of our platform, please reach out to us via email at veer360.contact at veer360.org. That's all for this episode. See you next time.